Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Better Call Saul Insider Podcast, episode 410. It's the finale of the season. This episode's called Winner. Uh, it was written by Peter Gould and Tom Schnauz, and it was directed by Adam Bernstein. I'm Chris McCaleb. I'm hosting with the mosting today, and I also cut this episode. And Kelly Dixon, unfortunately, for this last episode, she really wanted to be with us, uh, but the timing just didn't work out. Uh, but she was in the office in person yesterday. You heard her on the four podcast. And right after we did that, uh, we recorded uh, a little bit with Peter and Vince, uh, just sort of her general reactions to this episode and to the season. And uh, that's that's really fun. And so it's going to be kind of a different podcast because we're going to be dropping that, either dropping that in in, it, in its entirety or maybe we'll be cutting in back and forth if the questions kind of relate to what we're talking about in the room. And then uh, also at some point, uh, we're going to have um, another little piece with uh, our music supervisor, Thomas Gulovich. But uh, let me introduce the people that I have the pleasure of being in the room with. Uh, first, as always, the creators and executive producers of this show, Peter Gould and Vince Gilligan. Hello. Hey. Uh, what a great season, you guys. Thank this you. has been this has been this, really this, really fun this, and it's been the best season. I can finally say this without risk of sounding you know like uh, I'm just saying this as a fan. This is the best season yet, absolutely, I, uh, unequivocally, hands down. I'm best glad you yet. glad you feel that way. Uh, and also, Joey Reinish is here. Hey, Joey. Hello. What do you think about this season? I think it's the best season yet. <laughs> now, I it I'm, might be because we're here now, right? I'm quite. Well, I, I like the I like where you're going with that. Yeah, but I'm yeah. starting to question your sincerity about uh, what you just said. I really, uh, I really do yeah. think it's an amazing season. It is an amazing season. And is it, Joey, is it, uh, I told you when you knew you were coming here, because you're a big Breaking Bad fan, yep. and I told you this is a, a great place full of great people, and that it's not going to be weird, and it's not going to be, you know, scary, and uh, it's just a great group of people. Have How you found that you you expect, out to be? What did you expect was going to happen when you got here? <laughs> It's not going to be weird. <laughs> I I thought I wasn't going to be allowed to wear my Breaking Bad shirts anymore. Um, that really? I think lasted like two weeks. Well, I didn't want to be that guy, uh. you know, like the new guy and that guy at the same time. Uh, and then for I think the first three months, I thought you weren't real because I hadn't met you yet. Oh yeah, I was yeah. just pointing at Vince. Yes. Yeah, How do you like the silver lame unitard that we all wear? <laughs> I think it's, it's a little, little, little uncomfortable, but I it, got used to it. Uncomfortable, yes, but you don't have to worry about what you're going to wear in the day. And it, I, I like it a lot. That's why Peter chose it. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Mine is smelling funny now, though. I have to admit. Don't well, worry. It's, don't worry. We're going to be uh, lying down, waiting for the spaceship soon. Great. Uh, well, uh, you heard that voice already. He's he's almost introduced himself. He and you've heard his name. He's the co-writer of this episode and an executive producer of this show. It's we are lousy with executive producers today, by the way. Way too many. Uh, it's Tom Schnauz. Hello. Yay. Hello. Yay. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm really unhappy about all this uh, pre-recorded material that I have. I can't interact with. That's this well, is, you just Kelly Dixon. Listen. Hey, this is bullshit. <laughs> I, I think she would she uh, she would probably agree with you. And uh, continuing the executive producer train uh, directly to my right, it's always important to know where people are sitting in an audio podcast. She, you've you've also heard uh, she's a returning guest, a returning champion on the show. It's executive producer Melissa Bernstein. Yay! I'm back. How have you felt about this season? I 
like pretty middle. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think we got got two more, three more, five more in us. I don't know. We're like right in the middle. Five more episodes? I I think that might kill us. No, seasons. We're all very tired. (laughs) We are tired. We are tired. Melissa, Melissa, your your ears were probably burning during the uh, recording of episode four, because uh, you were you were definitely disgusted, and your your uh, your your work in the Mankata kickboxing tournament. It's important work. Yes, yes, that I do. Described you as a bad mofo. That's right. That's true. Very true. Yeah, uh, you had no it. quit in you. I'm working on it. And I that said, is, since when? That is not surprising. And he said, no, it's the truth. You are a force of nature. No, we know you have no quit in you. So. Speaking of forces of nature. That's true. And an excellent segue to our final guest on the show tonight. Another, also another returning guest. And she's co-executive producer of the show. And she's also the woman who makes our post-production uh, life happen, happen. completely. Uh, it's Diane Mercer. Hi. Yay. Hi. How's it going, Diane? It's good. It's good to be back on the podcast. Thanks for coming in. We were uh, we were gonna, we were trying to strong arm Alicia Weaver, our post supervisor, into coming on because uh, she was so great the other time that she was on. But she's unfortunately super busy because we're still in the middle of finishing this season. So things are. Cr- we wanted to talk to her about how crazy her schedule has been and her her crazy schedule intervened. Well, to be and, fair, uh, she's uh, involved in purchasing a wee Scottish island. That is true. See, I don't know if we want to talk about that on the podcast or somebody's going to swoop in there and pick up those islands. I I think by the time this podcast airs, she will be the owner of those islands. I certainly hope so. I believe so. Um, And uh, speaking of uh, owning owning those islands, let's get right into this episode. Oh, yeah. That was the worst segue ever. I'll say, that was a no, rough one. I think I, I, think I had a worse one in a previous episode. You know, one thing, one thing, I just want to say, Chris, one thing that people don't realize, probably, who are listening to this, is this podcast is actually edited, and it's edited on an Avid. That's true. You know, most podcasts at best are a uh, garage band. We have an Avid. So I, I've, I've walked by your editing room, and I, I keep hearing Vince talking, and I think, what, 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 what's Vince doing in Chris's room? And it's, no, it's the podcast. We're just recutting some of the episodes. Why is, is, it's not too late, why right? Why is Chris McCaleb watching an old episode of Gomer Pyle USMC? <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, that's Vince. It's a podcast. It's a, Speaking of segues, great friggin' episode. I, I got to tell you, I mean, I, I'm probably going to say this like 16 times because I was we did the, uh, the, the Kelly Dixon, uh, the 10 for 10 there. The right. Mini, the, mini, the mini caster. This episode is you, you two guys – wrote the shit out of this and it is so and then Anna Bernstein directed the shit out of it and then the actors acted the shit out of it there was, there was shit everywhere I'm telling you <laughs> except but, on but not left it, on screen no because it was all I, I'm being goofy this I this this episode is so great I can't even tell you how good this thing is I, I love this episode that's awesome Thank to hear. I'm glad I, you like it. I love hearing this. And Chris, Chris cut the shit out yes, of it. Yes, I'm too. sorry. Well, Chris we, we, said, yeah, we tried. And Melissa, and Melissa Joey, produced the shit out of it. And, and, and I tell you, this show wouldn't Joey happen with it. Joey had some shit smearing on it, too. I think. Yes. It's, yeah. it, I hope people are home like, <laughs> eating sandwiches <laughs> yeah. while they listen to this. Good morning, everybody. Yes. <laughs> Bring her on your morning drive. I'm, it, I'm it, sorry it, for all the crudity. It is an excellent, excellent episode. It was a, It's a huge... I mean, one thing that's confusing about this show is the run time of these episodes it is and you would this think, is the first episode that might be longer than the podcast yes this this, this was uh we'll see we is this the longest episode ever this is yes. this is uh, counting breaking bad too yeah. i believe so uh, yes yeah i think it is i believe uh, so yeah wow. we, doesn't feel like it though because it moves like a like yeah. a house of fire 
like gangbusters. And you know, that's a lot that, you know, when we broke it, that was one of, one of the things that I said in the room is like, yeah, it's a lot of material, but Adam Bernstein really move, you know, his episodes move. Ad, Adam has, a, Adam has a very New York-y uh, rhythm. And I say that with love because as a fellow New Yorker, you know, he, he, he walks fast, he thinks fast, he moves fast. Uh, he he's a, moves like lightning on the set. And so I know that he's, he's, he's going to get all the moments, but he's also going to keep a lot of pace to it. And so I always thought, well, it may, it looks a little long on the board. It looks a little long on the page, but man, it's it's a long episode. And uh, we knew that when we broke it. We, you know, looking at the board, we knew it was going to be long. I was surprised we were struggling to keep it under an hour. Yeah, it is under an hour. It, it is, is under an hour. It is six, six, six seconds. seconds. Under an hour. Six seconds under an hour. <laughs> Love it. And that was that was a that was a that challenge. Was a great it was victory. Very, there was very there difficult. was a weekend. I left my family in the morning on a Saturday morning, and they said, "What are you doing today, Dad? You're still cutting." And I said, "We're trying to get we're trying to get two minutes out of the episode." And that was uh, that was the weekend right there. It was it was a full weekend. It Can't was. You cut out every other frame, and then it's half as long. That's, yeah. <laughs> we we you're you're making a joke. But there, there's there's a little bit of frame removal that that was done to really? try and get wow. some of this stuff. Well, for for other reasons too. Um, but but yeah, it was it was very very challenging. And uh, if you get the DVD uh, or the Blu-ray, I I think oh, yeah. you'll see that there. As long as this episode is, there are scenes that were cut yeah. for time because um, they you know this, they were all great. But uh, you know sometimes you have to you have to cut some of those scenes. That's true. And That's we, absolutely. But we didn't cut any scenes out of the teaser, um, oh. which, uh, you know, we start with that that bar hearing. Um, is it a hearing? Not a hearing. Uh, the, the the voucher set. So what is the that called? It's a swearing in ceremony, right? There you go. Yeah. Uh, where we see Chuck, maybe for the first time ever, a, adult Chuck and adult Jimmy. Um, Chuck doing something really, really great for his brother. That's he's, true. He's, yeah. he's, He's standing up for him. To me, it was the type of thing of uh, who else. I think Chuck, who else would, would Jimmy ask? Of course he's going to ask me. Yeah. And <laughs> so I can't right. turn it down. Yeah, no I can't turn it Yeah, Phil. that's yeah, right. Yeah. He sort of has to do it. So he's going to do it with a, with a smile for his brother. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I love this teaser so much. I love the, the warmth uh, between these two. And it tells me, I don't think that Chuck is, I don't know what you think. I, I He seems so... By the way, Michael McKeon, how how oh, fucking great is Michael McKeon? Bob and Bob together, Bob and, and, and Michael together. Uh, there's just magic. I mean, the singing, the singing, and then of course that that brilliant scene where they bring Jimmy back to back home. But I don't think. Tell me what you think. Uh, you guys think? I don't think Chuck is insincere. I don't think he's he he's thinking to himself, "I hate this guy." I think uh, I think it just he doesn't completely know himself no uh, I, I think chuck had a good time despite himself yes. obviously he did yeah because Definitely. he grabbed the mic and started singing <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, that's a wonderful moment it's when such he takes a great it away moment completely. Yeah, yeah. and um and also as as Catherine, our wonderful adr supervisor said you got the lead singer of spinal tap to sing on your <laughs> show right. you guys you did it that is right you, you did it now, that's true yeah <laughs> How how did that happen? How did you guys decide we're gonna do a karaoke scene, you know, and and it's gonna be getting Chuck back? 
a guy who's not on the show anymore, although I feel very fortunate to have uh, gotten him twice in my episodes this year. Yeah, you lucked out. And uh, I did. And he's, he, I mean, I, you know, I've cut his stuff before in previous seasons, but, and he's, he's so good. And, uh, but like you said, I mean, I first knew him as the singer of Spinal Tap as well. And uh, how did that happen? How, what was the genesis of that in the room? I wish my brain worked better because it was so long ago when we broke this episode. I know Peter felt very strongly about the song. I recall that. that the this, ABBA this, song. This felt like the song they were going to sing. I can't remember. So the song came first pretty much. Well, the the idea of them singing together karaoke came first. Right. And then uh, it was almost, we almost left it there. That was, That's there right. was a big pitch to just have them go out and they're singing together and that was it. And I've, felt strongly that there should be something else that happens. And we came up with this idea that um, he gets his brother home and in bed because he's too drunk. And it's so late that he just decides to sleep there at night. They, they lay together and uh, they, <laughs> but he, when you say that when I'm sorry, uh, uh, the, when you say the, the, the um, um, singing, the uh, karaoke came first, but, but always with the idea of it being the, you know, the, what came before it was, uh, helping his brother become, I mean, not helping him. He didn't help him become a lawyer, but being there at the swearing in, that was always part of it. Or was it, did it all start with a, with an image in your mind, uh, Peter of karaoke? Well, I, I think the karaoke probably, I think more, more likely, and this is forensic reconstruction. And uh, if Ariel Levine were here, she, she, our writer and she would know for sure. I think what we were, we were talking about, and of course the whole season, so much of it, uh, the story of Jimmy is the story of a guy dealing with, with loss of his brother. And how, how is Jimmy going to deal with this loss? What's he going to take from uh, the loss of his brother, uh, that, that relationship which is so uh, unresolved? And we had an idea about where the episode was going to go, and it was we knew it was going to be about that. It had to be about that because that's where the season started. That's what we've been, that's what we've been dancing around with all, all season and, and exploring from different angles all season. So we knew it was going to be about Chuck, and so we thought, well, let's let's have Chuck at the beginning of the episode also, and, and so we would bookend. And we had the idea of doing. Uh, I think somewhere in there we had the, the just the thought. Why don't we do like the best moment between these two characters? What about the what's the what was the moment when they were the the closest and and when they were having the most fun together? And then I think we just had this image, and I, I and and of of, uh, of Jimmy. I think the idea of Jimmy singing and kind of luring Chuck up onto stage and kind of kind of kind of using social pressure a little bit but then chuck grabbing the mic and i i that was i think that was really that was as and i don't know that i i, I don't i think it was a little bit before the song came but then the idea then came well wait a minute what if we use what if we use this song and this this lyric and have a callback to this lyric later in the episode because it's so tricky this season because jimmy doesn't talk about what's going on with him because in a weird way he doesn't fully understand what's happening inside himself. He's 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 and and by the way, which I don't think is is psychotic or strange in any way. 
I think it's I think it's totally human. I don't think we we I don't think we do fully understand ourselves. I think we, we all have imperfect understandings of the things that are going on inside. Sometimes other people see us more clearly. We see ourselves. I think that was really that was that boy. I've gone on at length, uh, but I think that was those were some of the things that we were thinking about. And then um, we just thought about this this intimacy and the, the fun between them, and also the idea of you know we'd already planted in the season. Uh, Jimmy's first interest in the law really coming out of uh, his relationship with Chuck and his relationship with Kim. It happened in episode six. And the other ulterior motive was how do we lure Michael? How do we, how can we be sure Michael McKeon will get on a plane and spend a couple of days (laughs) in Albuquerque? And I don't know much about actors. Uh, but one thing I do know is if they can sing, they like to sing. And I thought, and Michael, entered, Michael, Michael's visited the uh, writer's room here, and he, he found Heather Marion's uh, guitar that was in the swing office, and he sat that here, awesome. and he, wow. he sat so here and sang, sang for us, oh and, and, and sang for us, and he's, he's, just, he's, he's a, just a riveting performer. And we thought, by the way, we have Bob, who is also an amazing performer in a totally different way because Bob is known for his terrible singing, uh, his comedy he wasn't singing. Putting that on. I'm not being He's, funny here. I, he wasn't putting that on. Well, I don't you were, think he was. I don't think, I think so. He was, that he was, that's him genuinely singing. Okay. Yeah. And, 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 and we did, we, I, I picked, you know, some of the worst perform, you know, the, the, the most perfectly out of tune. Sometimes we stuffed a little different word here and there just to make it as, yeah. as, as just perfectly bad as we could, and he's, he's but he was great. He's enjoying he's himself fantastic. so much up there, uh, and so yeah, we you know this is uh, making use of uh, the talents of our cast, which is maybe the the smartest thing that any 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 writer can do. And did you guys talk about the use of winner takes all earlier? In the well, I think uh, oh. what a great segue actually, and I think we should throw right now. We should go back in time to a, a special recording session that we had with our music supervisor, Thomas Golovich. So when Peter or Diane, I don't know, who, who comes to you and says, hey, we want to have, have this you know, kind of big thematic moment and we want to have our characters singing uh, Winner Takes It All by ABBA, what do you do? What's your reaction? I mean, my heart skips a beat. Um, <clears throat> I mean, on one level, you're, you're thrilled. Like, ABBA was a hugely important band for me. Like, I, I lived in Germany when I was a kid, and, and it was in the 70s. So ABBA was everywhere. You're close to the source. Oh, my God. Yeah. And, and it was just those songs were stitched into the fabric of my being. And they were, I think in many ways, they were my first senses of joy, you know, in a sense. You know, ABBA, oh was, ABBA was the soundtrack to my first experiences of joy as a child. And I think that, you know, when you hear the idea of that, it's incredible. But then, of course, the music supervisor and me thought, oh, my God, (laughs) they are relentlessly difficult. Like the number of times people have said, no, don't go after ABBA. They'll never clear. Because they're really particular about what they license and what they agree to, the use of their songs. Yep. And they're protective of their their work absolutely their legacy and they're and they're and they're very sincere people mm-hmm. and they and they've made plenty of money so money is not a factor for them um and i think that they have a lot of integrity in the work that they've done and and for them you know even though we've had you know mamma mia and these adaptations everybody who deals with them has said the same thing like they are actively involved in every part of the process like nothing goes through without them giving a green light 
So I luckily met with Bjorn by pure accident when I was in Sweden at a music festival called Way Out West, and I was in this sort of you know backstage area, and someone said, "Oh, I want you to meet you know Bjorn Ulvaeus from from ABBA," and I was like, <gasps> and I walked over to him, and I I you know I tried to be as cool as I possibly could, and he immediately goes. You you Breaking Bad guy, right? And I'm like, no way. Yes, and we spent the entire conversation <laughs> talking. I didn't even get a chance to talk about like how like my childhood joy was listening to his songs. It was literally all about his love of Breaking Bad, and he had just started watching Better Call Saul, and he thought the storytelling was really beautiful, and he loved how music was used, and he was so complimentary. It was one of the most weird and wonderful experiences. So when I thought, okay, this is good. I've had an individual relationship connection with a guy. He knows the show that we're on. I know the people that are the part of the management team and the publishing company. They're all friends. They're people that I have a really good rapport with. We'll find a way to make this thing work. It was still the hardest thing I've dealt with all season. I mean, it was, it was, I have not been as nervous about something not coming through. And this is baked into the cake. I mean, it's yeah. not like we have backup options that are, you know, going to work here. Right. We have two actors performing it on stage. It is thematically tied to the series, mm -hmm. to, the, to this entire season. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There is, it culminates with this. Oh my God! There's, yeah, there's, even though it's a flashback, it's culminating in this emotionally. And no plan B. Yeah. No plan B. And so, which is the most nerve-wracking thing you can ever imagine. And it was literally like trying to usher in. It was like I felt like I was at the UN. It was literally like every day was like, okay, let's just find a way to make this easier. We can't give you that approval. That's something that's possible because of timing. Can we find another way of approaching this so you guys feel confident that we're taking care of your legacy and handling it with the grace and, and with the, the, the honor that it deserves. Right, because it, there there is comedy in the scene, but it's we're not it's not making fun of the music. It's At not all. it's really celebrating the music. Absolutely. I mean it is it is in my mind, you know, it's such a tribute to Abba and to the power of Abba and to the relationship between these two brothers. And right. It's a very important moment, and I knew that it was respectful, but you know, you, it's my job to be the one to articulate that somehow and to convince right. them when they know that they don't have control over it and they don't like not having control over things. And that was, uh, and thank God it came through, and, and what an incredible performance by Bob and Michael, and it's just... It's, it's, it's phenomenal, and I mean, as far as them you know, approving of this, you know, and they also approved of us like so weaving this into the story mm -hmm. if if you were listening carefully some of you may have heard in episode six uh there's a muzak version of it at, at cc mobile when jimmy gets the call about mrs strauss uh from brett dunst who's sitting over there laughing <laughs> um and uh it's it's subtle it's in the in the background but that was a custom made yes piece by a, and it's a, a Tobias Froberg, who's a fantastic producer, and he was picked by ABBA as the person that they would allow to have both that version and the karaoke version. They were both created by Tobias. So we had to navigate the creative on both of those with him, who was also wonderful. Thank God for Skype. We've spent a <laughs> lot of time on Skype this season. So yeah, we spent a, in Israel, Sweden, Germany, and France. We've been doing a lot of Skype sessions. It's, it's a very multi, uh, multicultural, uh, multinational uh, season. It, it certainly is. And it's is. awesome. Well, I, I, I'm really glad that that worked out. And, you know, as, too, as a fan, me. how great is it that 
they care so much about their music and about making sure it's it's framed the right way and that it's respect you know it's done respectfully and and uh you know that that's kind of all that's what we're about I, this whole team and uh it's yeah it's been it's been quite an odyssey i i mean i got to be a part a little bit a part of the the stuff with uh with 10 and 6 so i got to watch it unfold and and uh it's really it's a testament to to what you know you're able to do that you know, we have it. Well, it's, so. a t- it's a team effort. And I think one of the things that's nice is that the quality of our show is so high. And that, you know, but we have to be reminded that we have to always find a way to make sure that everybody who's interested in being part of our adventure recognizes our reverence for their work and, you know, that, that our quality control is extraordinarily high and that we will not put their, uh, their you know, their legacy in jeopardy. Thomas is so articulate. Yes. Wow. That Agreed. man. That man. He and just handsome. Had, and handsome. He has a command of the language that's that's and just he speaks special. German. And he does. The man. He, he does. does. He's a. It was he's very like helpful a this season. Because yeah. it was right. I mean, <laughs> did he actually weigh in on the German? Is there anything he can't do? Uh, he did. Yeah. Nice. So yeah, I, I think it was really, it really was nice, kind of closing out the teaser, getting to see them actually have a warm, genuine connection it's really in a sweet. way that we have absolutely never seen. I mean, it, since they were kids, really, mm-hmm. little even, kids. I mean, even that. the flashback we saw when they were kids, Chuck had this really kind of chilly edge to him yeah. with Jimmy, even though he was reading to him. You know, he was it, there. There was an edge there that is not present in this scene and yeah. and it really is it's the nicest we've ever seen chuck be to jimmy yeah. and it, it it just makes i feel like in season one a little bit he uh, jimmy was drunk came in hung over mm-hmm. after the pretzel breaking scene is that right, That's right. Really he was passed out oh, on the yeah. couch and yeah. chuck kind of took care of him there yeah. too which i think helped yeah. but chuck's okay this see this is a, such a complicated thing you guys have woven and uh, it chuck's okay when Jimmy needs help, when Jimmy is a, a stumble bum and a loser, and uh, then Chuck can feel superior, and and uh, yeah, no, it's just I, I tell you, uh, this 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 show could be taught in a in a psych class uh, in college in the university. I, this thing is so complicated, and 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 but this wonderful sweet teaser. Then you see, and not the very next scene, I don't think, but the, very shortly after this teaser, you see him, you know. Uh, Jimmy by the gravestone of his brother, saying uh, with, with peas and carrots or watermelon pickles. Watermelon pickles. Watermelon pickles. Watermelon pickles. And it's so, I mean, it's funny, but it's really not even. It's not. Doesn't didn't make me laugh. Very I mean, dark. And, and I mean that in the best way. It's so discordant <laughs> with with my emotions after having watched the. I mean, I, I mean and this in the I highest. I really po- can't help but laugh at that. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm not saying it's not. There's not funny to it, but but underneath it. Okay, it made uh-huh. me. It made me chuckle. But then I thought to myself, what are you laughing at? This is so, what a fucking tragedy yeah. this is. This is, this guy is so removed from his emotions that he, oh, yeah. this broken. guy is, he's broken, this guy. It's, before we get out of the teaser, we got to talk about Ernie, how great Ernie Oh, oh yeah, yes. <laughs> I don't think I laughed harder on set uh, in years than when he first, because I didn't know what he was going to do, because we just hoped that he was going to sing badly or, you know, just, and he got up there for the run through and he just let it all hang out and I was I was in tears crying <laughs> watching him go and I, I hope we have on the future blu-ray that just him perform it's his do you whole have take. the whole thing oh he recorded uh, a majority of the of the oh, song fantastic 
He left it all on the field, man. He was, he was Oh, he, he, he absolutely did. And I, I remember that very first shot, he kind of comes in on the, the rhythm is not quite right. He's not exactly on the beat. And I was a little freaked out at first. And then I saw that it, it either was you, uh, Tom, or Adam making him go further and further out. And I was like, oh, okay, I see what we're doing. And that's why, you know, when you listen to it, he's way off the beat in that very beginning of it. And uh, I just, I, I love it. It's so, <laughs> love it so good. And he gets that glorious pullback, that music video yeah. pullback reveal. Of it. It's just so, it's so good. wonderful. It's great. Where's that, uh, Melissa, where's that location? Where, where'd you, where were you guys shooting at? That I have been, I've been like dying to shoot in that place. I've taken like six directors there. Uh, it is the place where we had our hamburger with Warren Buffett. Oh my God, that's I didn't even recognize it. Yes, that's I love that place. Yeah, it's awesome, and um, and we we love it as a uh, venue, and it's just got so much character to it. Uh, and Adam, as soon as we walked in, was like, "This is the place." That's Great. where we took Warren Buffett to lunch. Uh, Warren and and his uh, and his daughter Susie and uh, and and his uh, and his grandson Michael and that the, the was so and that was so much fun. Oh man, that's cool. I didn't recognize it. Yeah, yeah, we were really excited about that. By the way, the day we did that, quick aside, we're we're having we got this huge table and it's Brian Cranston and Aaron Paul in the middle of Albuquerque, New Mexico. And the only person that anyone came up to the table to get autographs from was Warren Buffett. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not even remotely uh, joking. It, people like, you know, Brian and Aaron, who everybody loves, whatever, but no one asked them for an autograph. Everyone, people were lined up to get Warren Buffett's autograph. Wow. It was awesome. <laughs> that's, that's crazy. That's What's what happens when you have place? sex appeal. That's, <laughs> that's true. That's true. What's the name of that place? I think Mike Bermantrout's going to have to tell us. Mike? It's the Monte Carlo. Ah, uh, thank you. Oh, yeah. Well, that's yeah. right. Yeah, go that's right. I love that place. When you're in Albuquerque. Uh, but what we what you won't see, uh, unless unless they kept the files around, uh, the, those karaoke videos, uh, those were done by Joey. They were. Put yeah. a lot of hard work on this. A lot of hard work. I know those portions of those songs very well. At this point. <laughs> very well done. Well, and how did you do that? Because, you know, we've all, if you've done karaoke, you've seen those cheesy videos with uh, sometimes images that line up with the vocals in a funny way or super on the nose yeah yeah Yeah. how did how did that happen that was uh carly and alicia just carly's our post coordinator post coordinator yeah they they pulled a bunch of stock they listened to the lyrics of the song pulled a bunch of stock that it's like let's just be as on the nose as humanly possible and it's like anytime they say oh throws the dice they got five or six (laughs) dice clips and um You know, uh, I want to, man, now I'm blanking on the lyrics. Um, Building me a home. They sent me a bunch of like idyllic suburb houses. So they just gave me a bunch of pieces and then we just threw it against the lyrics of the song, tried to make it kind of as as bad as I could. And then Tom and Diane, I think too, you guys went in there and kind of worked on it with Joey, right? Uh, Yeah, I think afterward, we we, we had to make sure that. Yeah. general notes but i mean they, they these guys had it nailed so yeah it was, it was really awesome not much to do was yeah. it done before you shot the karaoke yeah. scene yes. so yeah. so that's you know yeah, there's yeah. a mo- it's yeah. not really on screen but they're actually there's another monitor right in front of the singers that they're singing off of you see it in a couple of shots but it's uh, yeah they were they were singing along to it 
That'd be a good DVD extra, just the karaoke uh, the <laughs> video. Yeah. They're, they're pretty awesome. Um, Can I just say I also love how Jimmy says pancakes before yes. <laughs> even finish yes. uh, giving him the options. I think that's really It's like a little kid. I really, really like that scene. It, it, it is, it's a love that we just have, you know, that's, that's long gone and that we have not really seen. And I, I had really. And it helps understand what part of what is in the pit of Jimmy's stomach. There, yeah. that there's right. something really good down there that he lost. If things could have gone a different yeah. direction. It, if it had just been you never really mattered all that much to me, it wouldn't. It would be much more understandable for him to do what he's doing. But knowing that he had, he did have this wonderful relationship at some point in time is so sad. That's the truth. Making America sad—that's what we do <laughs> in the world. And then you got a whole other episode here. You got you got the stuff going on with Mike. Yeah. And, uh, it's and too much and stuff. We'll it's never just, we'll never get to talk about all that. No. Well, well and, we we better get to it. That's well, good, what, a, a question I do have is is uh, how do we want to slash how much do we want to talk about the difficult sequencing of events in this? Are we, I mean, are we even talking about it or acknowledging I think we, it? I'd say we, let's just be yeah. honest. Let's be honest. We wrote this episode with two very different timelines going on. Yes. Jimmy's timeline takes place over a week or more, uh, the events that happen, and uh, Mike's happens, and Mike and Lalo, except for the uh, Superlab scene, take place over a day. And we had this great idea to do this kind of Dunkirk-type thing where there were two different timelines, and we're going to cut back and forth and with the help of kind of a little bit of... Uh, scene rewinds and, and re-showing the beginnings of scenes that we'd help the audience. And it just turned out to be a big mess when we watched it. So we kind of reordered and recut uh, scenes. Chris, you worked hard on this and uh, restructured things so that it uh, it all seems to basically take place over a day, Jimmy and, which, which, and Mike's timeline, which I think We're works. not saying that explicitly. We're not saying that's, yeah, that, that is the case. It's but. kind of, it, it makes it so that it's sort of irrelevant, like, they're they're both moving forward in time. Right. It doesn't really matter yeah. so when whether they're concurrent when. or not. Who cares? Can right. I tell you? I remember hearing uh, in passing you guys were worried about this, about what you just described, about the audience not getting. Until you just said that just now, it didn't even occur to me. It doesn't matter at all. Didn't th- it didn't even occur to me that it, that it was an issue. It just I'm just along for the ride so completely. I was not thinking. They they feel like two very different stories going on it's only i said it a minute ago it's just like two different episodes for the price of one uh i say that a lot it's two different shows for the price of one this season especially and but this episode it didn't bother me at all that there was a mismatch so to speak in the chronology it just i don't think that's an issue at all it it was interesting chris and i we we hadn't really sorted this problem out we we knew that we didn't like as like tom's we didn't like the little rewinds uh, it was but such it's a still, departure, so we stylistically. Got, well, yes and no. So we got rid of most of the rewinds. We ended up reinstating the very first one that kind of just kicks off Act One. Uh, but then I remember it was it was actually it was the weekend I talked about where we we were trying to take time out of the episode, and Chris and I were talking. Well, what if what could we do to reorder? Is there some way to reorder this? I started thinking there's got to be some way to reorder this. Right. And it, it was nagging at me. I mean, it's. I don't know when we broke this episode. It was, you know, good months and months ago. It was bothering me the whole time. And then we took, we moved a bunch of, Chris wrote out a bunch of file cards for sequences because we were never, 
the only way we know how to work is with three by five cards. <laughs> so he uh, he wrote out and, and just just broadly this you know you know cemetery cemetery Mike kills Werner da 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 da, and uh, we moved them around. And what we realized was that as long as we kept day and night separated, that suddenly it, because it, it's almost like you don't think about it because there's never a cut that doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and if you think about the whole episode, you go, wait a minute, how this is kind of a long day that Jimmy's having. Uh, how did he all these things get set up to happen on the same day if you really think about it? But at least while I'm watching, I don't think about that because it's each cut, each individual sequence transition makes sense. And right. then maybe and then so we managed to do that really by just moving a couple things around. But it amazes me that after struggling with it in the writer's room as much as we did, uh, the answer turned out to be, you know, actually very simple, yeah. which usually, and I usually think we, it is. we dodged a huge bullet because that library location was originally in the script as a night scene. That's right. And our crew, production crew, found this great location that just, with those giant windows, made sense. Actually, I didn't think we, we weren't even allowed to shoot there at night. That's but right. But with the giant windows, and it just felt like... Oh, this is going to look beautiful in the daytime with the sunlight coming through and the Hispanic uh, Cultural Center. Thank you, thank you, Hispanic Cultural Center. Yeah, we so, wouldn't have gotten cool. nearly if we had a, as much. If this was a nighttime scene, then we'd, I think it'd be a little harder to do what was well, we would done have, in the final. Version. We would have ended up with a very different solution. <laughs> that's why, for sure. why would that have been harder? Because it, I just because then you'd be bouncing back and forth between night and day. Okay. In scenes, I, I think I think you would have seen Mike. Be, be you would have seen Mike searching, Mike searching for Werner, and then you'd cut to a night scene. And then you'd come back out, and here's Mike searching for Warner. I got you. I and got it would have felt like, oh, it's the next day, and he still he only made. Oh, okay. He, it you. took him a whole day to get to Travel Wire or I something, something along those lines. It seems all. It seems like a very simple solution that we came to, but it was definitely. I mean, there was a, an enormous amount of thought put into it, both in the writers' room and then <laughs> later in the cutting room. Of, and yeah. we tried multiple different options and lots of different restructures but we came down to that one we didn't really do it in the editorially we didn't end up moving scenes around and looking at the whole episode and see if it worked it was really just conceptual and chris you mentioned at the time that this was something that you were familiar with from your other shows like narcos oh yeah oh yeah narcos there's a there's a huge amount of uh, of narrative fluidity and and there was just there's a lot of uh, moving scenes around in the episode, moving scenes around uh, from episode to other episodes, and uh, and yeah, it was it was a very it was actually it was, a, it was kind of a really cool challenge, um, and a very like open cutting room because we were all kind of in each other's things and collaborating that way. Because you had other nice. the other the other editors working in another episode, and you're trading scenes. Back right, and forth. exactly. We're saying, oh, you know, this would really and and you know the the showrunners were were to their credit were very game to say like yeah give it a shot try it out oh do we maybe we need another scene and then they you know if we're in production it's it's such a good show too i mean it really it doesn't do any harm to this this series at all because it's such a great show it just shows you there's there's so many ways to skin the cat Mm -hmm. uh we don't generally we don't generally do things that way i mean we generally uh hew to the structure that we spend a lot of time in the writer's room right uh, one of the few building structure one of the few scenes we moved was the cemetery scene because it wasn't for any of the stuff we were talking about it was because without moving it suddenly we cut from mike at the warehouse to lalo at the chicken farm and there was some confusion about oh was lalo watching 
Mike and the guys. And it didn't confuse me because, like, I, well, I've been to both sets. I know they're clearly different, but I think uh, Joey <laughs> was one of I don't of, know what so, you're talking about. <laughs> well, I mean, so, I, I mean, I think, and I now sitting back, I realized, yeah, that is kind of confusing to the audience, cutting from Mike and those guys and then cutting to a guy looking through binoculars. It just... It, we originally right. there was and this this episode was just too overloaded for us to shoot it, but we actually had another scene uh, that maybe we'll end up using next season mm-hmm. uh, with with Nacho. Uh, who it was in this? It was character. in the script, who's and we char- cut it prior to shooting. Who's a character? Who's a character? Doesn't Michael Mando, who's done such an incredible job this season, who I think all of us uh, in the audience and in the writers room were very invested in Nacho and his fate, and it was so. But this is, it just, you know, man, you just have these big episodes and you can't necessarily fit any for everyone. And last season, episode 10, there was no mic. And so it's just, you know, it's just the, the, way, the way it has to go sometimes. And just to say it, though, from a story standpoint, you guys have, we have everything in a story calendar. Yes. So Ariel Levine um, is tracking how much time things are taking. So while you guys are having this conversation in post and while we had a version of it in production, it you guys have still thought very carefully to make sure that these events could take place plausibly in real time. And I just want to note yeah. that because I think that's something like yeah. very particular about the way this show works and the way you guys think about story. Very and carefully crafted. That's that's true. Although, yeah, and that's, that's causes... It's like Vince says, it's two shows for the price of one. And it's it's been very tricky at times because the Mike storyline moves at a different... We had the same problem at the end of season two in that in the, the episode that Vince directed where uh, yeah. you know, Mike is... Mike is In the way we where Mike is, is angling to, to kill Hector right, and then the, the, sniper uh, rifle. the sniper rifle scene. And then, and then but w- the solution there was we basically divided the story up by acts. And we just had one act That's be this, right. another act be yeah, that. Same with the first episode of the season. I mean, yeah. The timeline is all over the place. It's just, with jumping back to Nacho and the pills and blah blah blah. And it's a damn to say. I didn't even notice it. Yeah. <clears throat> I hope. I don't know. It's. It's. It, it, so I remember how uh, nervous we were back on Breaking Bad with the Sam Catlin's oh episode. Oh yeah. It took. Yeah. Took so many weeks to break that thing because it. It was. It was Aaron. Paul, it was Jesse Pinkman. Uh, uh, was gonna was came over with the gas can. It was gonna burn down Walter White's right. house, and it was just it was it, it did it didn't lay out. Uh, the timeline didn't lay out like we hoped it would, and it, it just was so fr- I was so freaked out about that. And it, it, it really doesn't matter. The you guys is, approved of me. The audience is so smart. You know, they really they they they, they put it together so quickly, uh, and 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 I think a lot of the time uh, we just have to trust them. And, and and this is one this is one of those times. And as we're recording this, we're trusting that you in the audience watched the show and hopefully liked it. Hopefully, well, hopefully no one had an issue with it. I I don't didn't bother me a bit good. just watching it cold. Good. And uh, god damn, how good is uh, Reiner Bach? And how good is Tony Dalton? Oh, oh yeah, so man. oh man, yeah. fun to watch. Jeez. You don't know whether to laugh or to you know just shake in a corner when you see Tony Dalton. Going He's, after Mike and going after Werner. Tony, I mean, I got to direct him in the episode before this, and he has these funny moments. Uh, and in this episode, he ain't funny at all. <laughs> oh, I, I, mean, I, I, I think he still manages to be funny. 
Like, well, he, I, he's charismatic as yeah. hell. What, like playful. what? Like when? Well, he's, like, play, he's definitely playful, but he, I mean, he stopped making me laugh in this episode. When he, when, when I think when they're at the pool later in yeah. the episode, and you know, and he's and Mike picks up the phone, yeah. and he's like, Mike. See, but that made my you. blood run cold. Yeah, and to, yeah. and uh, to me, it was like I was. I la- I laugh when he talks to Fred, the travel wire guy, who was oh. uh, played so well by James Johnson. But he comes in when he says, you know, my friend, he's about this high. And he's got these little pauses before responding. And you can tell that, okay, I'm, I'm catching up with the story. I'm figuring yeah. things out. He just, yeah. just makes me laugh when he does it. He, oh, he makes yeah. me laugh. And then I'm not, I'm not laughing so much after, yeah. after what happens to Fred happens. No, I know. Because I, uh, I, I knew that was coming because I remembered that from the script. And uh, I don't know. It's, it's, I don't know. It's and this, just, that, yeah, was a, just a stunt, that was a stunt guy. There's no wire work. There. Yeah. That was a guy dropping through the ceiling and landing. No <laughs> visual effects on that shot. He no. did it multiple a times. A couple of times. How did he do that? Even when I was young, at my physical best, I, could, I wouldn't have been able to do that without rolling on the floor. Without I was stunned. The floor. I, that's what I thought. I thought, oh, you got to land on your knee or in a crouching position or do something. You know, he just came flying through that ceiling. Yeah, Tom, I was there when they filmed didn't it. Didn't you do it? You did it the first time. Oh, yeah. I, just, yeah. I was like, this is how I want this it. This is how we want it, yeah. I, oh, I, you I, did it? No. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can look for you that. Break a hip. <laughs> well, and Vince, you were saying this earlier, and I, it, that it hadn't actually occurred to me. How is there enough space yeah. between the ceiling tiles and oh, there's the tons of roof? roof there. There's all the air but conditioning is, vents and stuff, and okay. this is the actual location. And he went up there, and this whole thing... Because we had this whole discussion in the room about, oh, Lala's going to get in and deal with Fred. Well, like, how does he do that? You know, there's bulletproof glass and, uh, you know, the locked doors and he can't shoot his way through. So I went online and just typed in, uh, you know, burglary at a a very famous uh, travel wire type establishment. And the first video that pops up. Is a is a guy who climbs through the through the ceiling tiles and drops down and robs this poor woman on the other side. And I was like, okay, well that's how Lalo does it. <laughs> it's so it's based on a on a, on a real event. Wow. And we had, and Al Goto um, supervised this, but he had to find a stunt man who, of course, looked enough like Tony Dalton, but also one who was like parkour trained, so that like yeah. this was like a particular skill set. And then we're still hiding a pad too. Um, at one there point, there is a pad in there. Yeah. Oh, there is a pad. When, when it when the when the that floor's out of frame, better. there is. Yeah. That makes yeah. me feel better. On the floor, yeah. You just put it. You know that that's a pretty high. Jump when the when the when it's, it's out of frame, crazy. but there's, it's a water. So is that you, in that water? I I think you. The feet uh, are out of frame. It's just yeah. it's yeah, just below see, frame. You don't really? See. It's just below the frame. Yeah. But, but you don't see his feet. In my imagine, in my mind's eye, I thought I saw it. Wow, that's just you, very you see well almost his entire body. Yeah. Very I, well I feel done. like I would break my legs and mm-hmm. knees oh, yeah. and I know back. I would. I was very impressed. So what's he? Do they put up some pipe? Uh, pipe yeah, he had uh, some kind scaffold of scaffold up there or something. Thing to hold on to up there, so he didn't accidentally fall through on a crew member. <laughs> Jeez, but no wire or anything. No wires, it, it, yeah, it's nothing. There's not no visual effects. So uh, nothing to stunt. nothing to fix. They just they put up a ladder. They put up a ladder. He crawled up into the thing. They put the tile back, and then on action, three, two, one, yep, go. Boom. <laughs> we had we had a long talk because Adam's previous episode, uh, Diane and. I both remember because we both have a little PTSD still His from the slip the, and fall. from when Jimmy slip and fall when Jimmy fall slips on the uh, the drumstick yeah. last season. Uh, we had to do a full body replacement, and that was a very challenging effect that went through many many iterations. And uh, the thing that the phrase I keep using 
is I know David Fincher would know what to say <laughs> right now because I'll look at something and I'll, I'll know. I can feel there's just something, it's a little something. And by the way, our effects people are brilliant. But it's every when a really tough shot like that, sometimes uh, you, you just you can feel that there's just something that could be better. And uh, and boy, it's hard to sometimes hard to put into words. And that's where that's where Diane and, and Alicia well, Weaver and speaking and, of brilliant effects, can we talk about? One of the brilliant effects in this episode. Sure. The the uh, sitting at the but watching the chicken farm through binoculars. Oh yeah yeah yeah. This is uh, I, I you guys have probably talked about this on other podcasts, but the chicken farm doesn't exist anymore. Um, it actually was torn down during season four of Breaking Bad. Yeah. Um, it was sold and the uh, the coops were were torn down. Yeah. So uh, during that season we scrambled to shoot a bunch of footage so that we could finish out what we needed at that location but since then it just it's not an option for us to go back there so last season you know we did a map painting for the reveal of that that place as well and then this is the first time we've actually seen it well it's actually it's not the first time but this is the second time in, the, in both shows that we've been on the other side of it because the you know everybody's used to that road that goes down past the water tower right but this time we're on the back side so we're seeing it um technically from the side that gaff was on when oh, right. he with, with, the sniper uh, rifle. with the sniper yeah. rifle yeah. when he was shooting at gus right. but gaff was down low and so we've never actually seen it quite from this perspective before oh, or for, yeah. with this uh scope so um so yeah, so we shot Tony Dalton. Uh, it, it was two parts. We did Tony, and we just found a location, and we didn't go anywhere near the original chicken farm. So location. that was not even no, no. There was just a wow. hill near another. It, it was chosen. Location we're shooting at. Yeah, wow. it was chosen because of the proximity to another location to make the day easier. Wow. Um, I am because impressed. we didn't need, you know, we didn't. We knew we were going to replace a huge portion of it, so. You know why bother? It was, <laughs> it's tied to the pool that Werner is that at. That is yeah. impressive. I had no idea. And we, so I don't even know how the final image was constructed because did did we? Because we set up green screens in front of him. Was that piece used? Yeah. Oh yeah. Create yeah. this. So yeah. So, we did it with so both. Tony, we did it with Tony's. We did it with a green screen. Great. So Tony's in front of a green screen, and then we also shot a little bit of the um, shrubs and stuff in front of him separately. Okay. So it's th it's technically three pieces. It's Tony. With some landscape, and then more landscape in front of him, and then a map painting beyond. And when you say map painting, I understand the old old school analog way to do a map painting. You'd paint, have a real uh, amazing artist paint with oils on a big sheet of glass and place it in front. It place it between the real life background and the camera lens. How is a map painting done now? Is it? Is it's it, all digital. I mean, it's all computer. Art. It's it's just it's the same type of artistry, but it's just not and it, done with it a is, physical it's brush. It is. It's art. It's like they have this truck art. driving yeah. and kicking up dust, and like that's a, it's just amazing to me and that that is all a generated, you know, artistic image. And it's there's not, a, and there's the, the highway the highway with the tiny cars going mm -hmm. by in the distance. All of that is generated in a yes. computer. Yeah. All how, of it. How do they? I mean, this does take a whole other series of podcasts. But I mean, <laughs> I mean, it. it is anyone ever drawn with a pen or a pencil anymore, or even a light pen, or is it all? Is it? Is, or I mean, other, they they they, they use the the those like Wacom tablets, like like I have. You know, they use they use the the digital pens, and it's and a lot of it is math, honestly. Jesus. You know, they have they know that the they have. We sent them 
last season, and this all was done by Bill Pulaski and Velocity Visuals, which it's is, they do a lot of our done. visual effects. Yeah. Um, so they had built the chicken farm before. So, because they did it for the shot last season in episode uh, six, I believe, when uh, when we see the, uh, w with that great reveal of the, the drugs in the spices. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah. They, so they had already built the the coops and the kind of main structures, the water tower, the road, that kind of thing. So they ha they had all those materials, and then they just you know you, ha you have to reposition them. So it and is all kind of a three D model. Can, can yeah, they, they sort can, of build it as yeah. a three D model wow. in the computer so that you can do the lighting and Jesus. and you know you can reposition it to you know and we Peter did a lot some sketches. We had satellite photos of what the place looked like, um, and we we drew out exactly where Lalo Lalo's position was in relation to the farm and where this specific warehouse that because the warehouse. Right, so this, it's not just this one shot. We had to match it into the warehouse location where Gus is. Wow. So right. Gus is where, 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 with the POV for the binoculars. Right, and, right, and right. Maybe this is the moment for us to start talking about Giancarlo and Gus. Uh, oh, yes. Because in that shot. So much that, trickery in this in sequence. Fact, in fact, that, sh that shot that when Lalo's looking through the binoculars and see, he sees Gus Fring and, and Victor hustling towards those uh, those black cars, uh, that's not actually Giancarlo. Now, why, Melissa, why wouldn't we get Giancarlo to do that? Did he just not feel like walking really fast that day? Yeah, he's such a pain, that guy. No, um, and Giancarlo unfortunately had a skiing accident uh, while we were shooting, and uh, he hurt his ankle his his, his broke his ankle uh, he, yeah he yeah. yeah he had a it was a significant injury and we had to keep him off of his feet uh and starting in what episode when did this it, it happen was, it was for eight nine and ten yeah so um so we had to gang up his work all at the end of the shoot uh and robin sweet is definitely a mastermind of this because there's a whole insurance component to it and and really wanting to make sure we take good care of Giancarlo and his um, and and not compromise his health in any way, shape, or form. But we had to be careful about when we brought him in. We had to be, you know, he couldn't put any weight on his leg, um, and so we had to work on a whole, uh, you know, a, a bunch of different solutions to address it from uh, looking for doubles. And he is such a unique actor. Uh, with everything's unique about him, so it's very hard to find people who, who actually really can pull off uh, doubling for him. And so we looked sort of in the stunt world, we looked in the background artist world, we looked in the in the acting world, um, and tried to come up with the best solutions there. And then uh, you know Diane uh, had to had a big part in it, and Tom, who ended up directing you know some of this work too, and Adam Bernstein, of course. And I'm very proud of one of the shots in this episode, Giancarlo, yeah. uh, who couldn't move, uh, not allowed to walk at all, but for insurance reasons, uh, had to had to have his leg up on an apple box. And there's a scene in the super lab where we start with him in frame, and in the background, Gail Bedecker walks in, and the camera follows Gail. And then Gus walks over to Gail, and we're behind, the camera's tracking behind him. Well, we did a little little swap. We had our double, Sean, swap in and walk over to him. And uh, our, our producer, Seth Edelstein, was, uh, had walked onto the stage that day, sort of in the middle of, of filming this, and he didn't know 
We were, and he was kept stressing, we can't have Giancarlo walk. He's got to be on this apple box. Do not have him move. So he came in in the middle of this take and saw this switch happen, not knowing that there was a switch. He thought Giancarlo was walking over to, <laughs> to Gail, and he pulled Sarah, our, our AD, aside. He's like, what the hell are you guys doing? We can't be doing this. <laughs> and Sarah was like, we're not, don't, you know, don't worry. It's, it's not... John Carlos not wa- not watching, so we did a little fun on camera trickery there. And, and yeah. so, and Seth, who's a great guy and has done a lot of lot of lot of television and movies, and has a good eye. He, if he, you, it was a nice feeling to know that if, if 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 someone who knows that much can be fooled on the set, even for a moment, uh, you've got a pretty damn good. It, it shot. fooled me, and I had worked with him. I'd worked with uh, I, I I did a not not as nearly as cool a trick, but I had I had the double walking uh, to uh, uh, Lalo and Nacho's table at the uh, Poyos Hermanos restaurant. So I had already worked with a double who did a great job. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, even I didn't notice the Texas swap, and I, I should have. Now, let me ask you this. Why were you – this is Adam's episode. Why were you directing a scene from it? Uh, because because of the schedule, Giancarlo's schedule, and he was not available until after the uh, the – time allotted for episode 10 i mean you could speak yeah, more be, to this. because of the because of his his accident we had to give him the maximum amount of time to heal so we didn't have access to him until like the so you adam know, was the very end of the shoot yeah, yeah. on to another project by the time we adam, adam wanted to come back would have come back Absolutely. But, he, but he couldn't yeah, yeah and I'm, i was standing there with you and adam while you guys walked through the the scene mm-hmm. and it was it was it was really nice to see uh, you know, Adam was very trusting to turn a scene over to another director, especially uh, you. And actually, and actually, <laughs> actually, uh, to, be, to be fair, I believe uh, Jim McKay in episode eight also also had to I turn. I got to do a lot of fun to, stuff. I didn't get to direct an episode this season, but I actually directed probably more days than I would have if I, if I had directed a, an episode. So it was, yeah, so it was a lot of fun to to do all these pieces for different episodes. It was a similar it was a similar situation because Jim's schedule, of course, uh, ended. A, quite a while before yeah, Giancarlo, before Giancarlo could come in, and you know, this is one of the challenges of the show uh, for everybody is, you know, we have these wonderful, amazing directors, and they are in high demand. Uh, you know, we're in the we're in the golden age, platinum age, whatever age of television we are. So that rhodium, means that, I think, yeah, whatever it is, that's the new. That's even more expensive. I think. Lath, lath, what was it on uh, the Star Trek? Anyway, dilithium. Uh, we're dilithium, in the dilithium dilith- age. We're in the dilithium <laughs> age, and it's uh, it, so that means that all the directors are are booked. You know, they're they're working as much as they want to, really. And so we, you know, they they have a very specific schedule, and we 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 really we're so grateful. By the way, we're so grateful uh, to all these directors. This season, I, I really think the directors just knocked it out of the park. Great bunch and of especially, you know, Adam Bernstein, who is a, you know, a friend of mine, and, and, and a friend of mine really because of Breaking Bad, because uh, we were paired up quite a bit on Breaking Bad. I learned so much about directing and filmmaking from working with Adam. And, Our two, fav- two, two favorite Bernsteins, Melissa true. Bernstein and Adam Bernstein, but but not related, right? Not related. Not related. Not related. Not as far as we know. Not as far as we know. You know that actually, it's sort of in line with uh, uh, earlier in the season, I asked the audience on Twitter if they had any questions Ooh. for us, and I Ooh. said we might ask some of them. And it's just, we, you know, these conversations, a lot of times they some of these questions just get answered inadvertently. Uh, but somebody named uh, at Jay Croc underscore 
That's uh, me. Asked, That's me. Oh, then, you know, then. <laughs> it's Ray Kroc's brother, Jay. <laughs> uh, asked, uh, it seems like the director's pretty important to the show. Oh, yeah. Why don't TV shows use the same one for every episode? Seems risky to rotate in someone new and possibly unfamiliar with the show, characters, history, et cetera, every it's week. Is this question. ever a problem? And I mean, we're question. sort of talking about the, the realities and the logistics of television production, but, but you, you guys, and you know more than, than anyone, you on, work on so many different shows. On our show, on this show, it would be impossible to have the same director do everything just because you have to have everything written before you start, and then you prep it like a movie. You have to prep it all at one time and then shoot it all at one time and sort of, you know, cross-board it, you know, and, and gang up your locations. And you'd approach the storytelling and the production aspects of it so differently. And and this doesn't really allow for that. Um, and I think we really benefit from having, you know, different directors come in. I like personally, I love working with different directors on Breaking Bad. We had Michelle McLaren, who, you know, was an executive producer, but also a producing director for right. us. And and we benefited from that, too. But, you know, every uh, every season and every show sort of presents a new opportunity. And on Saul, we just we've just gone, you know, uh, director by director. I think it, that can be challenging for the actors because they have to get to know somebody on a very short turnaround right. and they have to trust that person they have to be very vulnerable with that person like you know it isn't easy um so we as producers do our best to get the directors together with the cast so they can get to know each other before they're you know in the flames together of a of a sensitive scene but it it's but i think on the other side of it, like we get to see the show through some a new artist's eyes, and every one of these directors brings something new to it. Like they're seeing it from a different point of view, and have different skills, and have different uh, things that they're passionate about. And I think that comes through. And well, it, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm just and it can't because she won't toot her own horn. It can't be understated how important Melissa's job mm-hmm. is. She finds us these new directors, and she has excellent taste. And also does an uh, insane amount of due diligence on all of these directors before she even brings their names to, to these guys' attention. So you've, you've checked them out six ways from Sunday. You know their work. You know how other people work with them. And sometimes I've gotten to work with them on other right, shows. Right, so yeah. I'll know if they're a good fit for our show. And to all of your credit, uh, something that I've seen as an editor here is you. I would say even more than – certainly anything I've ever worked on or been around is you encourage the director to bring something of their own, you know, whether it's an eye or a certain, a certain style and you're hoping for it. You're really wanting them to give you something. Oh, I haven't seen that before. Oh, this is a dynamic shot that I wouldn't have thought of before. That's, that's exactly right. You know, I think there's, there's a, a thing that happens in some television shows where there's a house style. This right. is how we shoot the show. It's this is what it looks like. This these are the cuts that we do, and we have things that we like, uh, but uh, the directors all put their own spin on it, and we really we really want that. We want them. We want the directors to uh, to bring to bring their own eye to things. And, you know, you certainly can see that all through the season with a different, each each one of these directors has brought 
uh, uh, you know, brought something different to this. And also, you know, we steal from them too, you know, so there's, you know, there's, <laughs> there's a director, you know, there's a director who does a certain kind of shot. I remember the thing that occurs to me, just because it was, it was the beginning, uh, Terry McDonough came in on, on Breaking Bad yeah. and he, he started doing things like short focus shots. Uh, I remember a few of them. I remember being on the set and he had a scene where, uh, uh, Badger and Jesse were moving uh, moving a barrel, yeah. uh, I, I, and he focused instead of him focusing on the characters, he focused on the fence in the foreground. And I looked at that, and I was eating my sandwich, uh, and I said, "Well, well that's kind of interesting." And yeah. then you know, then you, you you look at that and you say, "Oh, that's that's interesting. That's we might that's an idea that we can build on or use uh, in other in other places." And so you know, it's really this is this is why it's it's a it's a it's a collaboration. Hopefully. Absolutely. And one last thing to say about this for folks who, who you know, the, the, that's a good question that the person oh, yeah. asked. Uh, keep in mind, too, prep is even more important to a director than at least in, I, I, you do it a lot of different ways. But prep is so crucial, so vital. And the director of any given episode is prepping for pretty much exactly as long as they are shooting. And you got to do that prep. You got to pick the locations. You got to find the actors. You got, and obviously this is all a group effort with the producers, with Peter and the writers and all the producers. But you got to do all that legwork in advance. Otherwise, you'd just be making it up as you went on the, on the on the set, and that would be a recipe for a bunch of crapola. You That's got, the, it's it could not be more important a time to spend. So the, I, I couldn't agree. The one one thing I know about directing is that. The success or failure is determined before there's a camera on the set. It's 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 uh, it's all it's all in the elements that you bring in the story and the actors and and, and the ideas that you bring to the set. Uh, and so yeah, we don't at least at least in my experience. I mean, I know there are people who make it literally do make it up as they go along, but the, that's not the way we Better tend have to have a lot of money if you're going to do that. Yeah, that's not tends or or just or you've got a situation where uh, everything is so you know we have people who are just willing to can be there for forever and you have a lot of time and well of course it's really saying the same yeah, thing. Time is money. Time is time. time is money and that is the most. Uh, precious commodity and you know a really experienced director someone like adam bernstein uh he can see around corners you know he can see he can go to a location he can see the pitfalls and the advantages of that location you know he can see in the script that we've written it a certain way and he says well you know if these characters are standing here that's gonna that's gonna do this could we have you know this character sitting there he can think about he sees the shots in his head in a way that you just can't if you don't have the experience. And, and Adam also is a very interesting guy. He storyboards a lot. Of, not every bit of the episode, but he storyboards key sequences. Like the, the, the parking lot sequence. Like the, park. the, the, gum, the gum gag and all that. That was, that was like, you know, you have to go in like an army, you know, fully prepared, fully planned out. And he, he had storyboards for all that stuff and, and all up on cork boards. And as we went through the day, shot... That sequence shot in one day, you know, you have wow. Adam, one day that was? Adam and wow. your ADs going through and crossing shots off to make sure uh, we got everything to piece together a sequence that makes sense. Because it's a lot of shots. That's yeah. so and many that, pieces. That, that planning with, uh, so much credit goes to Anna Ramey Borden on Absolutely, that too. Yeah. Because like, I think that sequence, she was really 
concerned about. One of our ADs. Yes, our yes, one of our first ADs, and she was she's yeah has those out on the board, yeah. thinking uh, very much ahead of time what the sequence of shots would be and why. Everything except for the shots inside the the machine were done in a day. That is impressive. Including crane, that includes crane work. That includes stunts. That is impressive. That includes a lot, and it's it's just it's and it's by the way, and it's not just a lot of pieces. It's really flawlessly executed. Really yeah, wonderful. Work. I, I am just that I'm jealous. That is a one day that was not yeah. counting the scene inside the machinery with right, the right. with the gum jams. That's that right. is such a great gag, by the way. <laughs> that gum <laughs> gag. Who can, when, when did you guys come up with that? That was like uh, I love that moment. I love that gag. I, I, again, I wish I knew. <laughs> my brain doesn't work like it used to. I can't remember who came up with what. We right? knew it. I think it was the, 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 we just, we knew the, I don't know how the specifics of it. We knew that in broad strokes that Mike had to lose this guy, that we didn't want it to be a violent sequence because we felt that would be the, just the wrong, that's not going to be Mike's first move. And so we thought, well, you know, Mike's an expert on parking. <laughs> that's true isn't there something yeah, is true. there something he could do in a parking and lot? part of us was like what's the best way to see a close-up of jonathan banks chewing yes, <laughs> yes oh that. gum let's have him chew gum yes it's what america demands yes and the world there's going to be a big cream corn uh, scene but can you believe we didn't get any money from any gum from any gum companies for that scene i would think that they would have been rushing rushing in i still can't believe how many tests bob house and werner heinlein had to do great effects crew had to yeah test a bunch of stuff so they it's not actual gum inside the machine it's like a slime oh really yeah it's like a slime version then the the color of the gum uh you know Peter, we were in, in color timing, and Vince and uh, Peter wanted the, the gum to pop more. So Ted, you know, was able to go in there and sort of isolate the gum and add some more green to it. <laughs> it's just insane what could be done. It's and the attention to detail, yeah, as always, just, with every just, every frame of every gonna, episode of this show. We're not going to give up until it's pulled out of our it, hands. You, you know, you just mentioned color. Uh, another question from the audience: Two people wanted to know uh, at. In Hides and at Phil Addison Four. Those are also me. That's you really. It, this is I a create real a lot of fake accounts situation. so that I have it's more followers. Tom Fish, West McFloss. Tom Fish. Uh, they they wanted to know who was responsible for color and and how we achieve the color and and uh, and, and we've talked about a little bit Another about great it. Question. I definitely want to talk oh, yeah. to. I want to uh, hear from Diane Mercer on this. Yeah. Uh, yeah, our colorist is uh, Ted Brady. Um, he's at uh, Keep Me Posted. In, Hi, Ted. In uh, Burbank here. And, uh, yeah, he does a great job. And it's very much a, cal- a collaboration with Marshall. Um, our, Marshall Adams, our DP. Um, they talk constantly. Marshall sends notes ahead of time. Um, and Marshall comes in to as many of these sessions as he possibly can. Um and, you know, we have certain locations that we know what they are. You know, we know what Kim's condo looks like. And, you know, once we establish the warehouse, we know what that looks like. And so you, you kind of learn as, as you go. But um, it's, a, it's, it's a very collaborative process. And then Peter and uh, whoever else wants to come to the final session will come. And we, you know, after Ted and Marshall have been through it, then we go through for a final pass just to kind of make sure everything looks the way we want it to. How long does that final pass typically take? Uh, it's long. <laughs> it's getting longer and longer. This is, this is a, yeah. The episodes are all, getting longer. This is moving fair. in There's a very dangerous direction. Under an hour. It's six so. seconds under an hour. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, if it was, no, I, I mean, mean, 
we yeah. you're, you're we're supposed to do it, the whole thing in two days. Uh, but that doesn't count sleep. But it's count two sleep, days apparently. and change. It's <laughs> you know it's an interesting thing how much it's changed since Breaking Bad. Uh, yes, now I was only process. in a couple of color uh, sessions on Breaking Bad. Vince was very generous and let let us writers kind of stick our noses in a lot of places that most showrunners wouldn't allow. Uh, and and also you you Vince were interested. In, I mean, there's a lot oh, yeah. a lot of I mean, and it, I don't blame them, but there's a lot of producers, executive producers who don't go to college. Nobody does. It takes time. Yeah, it takes it, time. There's, out no, of you, there's not enough you, time that you don't have. Show yeah. So we, but we we do it. We do it. And I, I will say, uh, I'm Breaking Bad because we were shooting on film, and it was a different, diff, really a different method. Uh, it was a simpler process. There yeah. wasn't as much to it. One of the things about digi shooting digitally and having these digital tools is that there is so much that you can do to the image. You can, and it would be easy to fall down a rabbit hole of changing everything uh, in, in the col in the color session. And I, I, one of the things I'm very aware of is not trying to iron out like every bright spot or make every dark bring every dark spot up it, there's a way you could you could make this um, these shows look kind of hermetically smooth and i i don't find that interesting and so it's it's something that we have to it's it's a it's a very it's a very interesting thing because you're watching it and you want it to be in some ways perfect but in some ways perfect isn't perfect and it's just it's just a uh, i am you know i'm uh, really interested in all, all these different aspects well and it, it just goes and also we have to say in addition to um to marshall there's also you know there's also what we put in front of the camera and yes so, that's what i was just gonna yeah, say absolutely. i mean i think it all comes from it starts honestly when you guys are choosing locations and sets mm -hmm. and costumes because so much thought is put into every one of those decisions and what colors people are wearing and what colors the walls are painted and what art is on the walls. And every single thing becomes part of your final image. And I mean, I think we, you probably, you guys may have talked about it, forgive me if you did on a, another podcast, but this, you know, the super lab, the season where the way that looks, if now I have not seen it in person, but I, this is what Peter explained to us is that, when you see the room as it is in person, it's very impressive what Judy, our production designer, did. But it doesn't become the super lab until it's lit. Yeah. And until Marshall puts those work lights up and he places the camera in a way that recalls how we used to shoot it on Breaking Bad. And that, that reveal in episode seven is so incredible because the minute those lights are turned on, mm -hmm. it just brings you right back and you can see where the big tanks were and where Gail's yeah. coffee maker was. Yeah. And, and it, it, it's, it just puts you right into that place. And yes, that's all polished by the final color, but so much thought went into that before right. the cameras ever rolled. And, and that's Marshall collaborating with Judy, collaborating with Peter, collaborating with you know everybody on the ground in Albuquerque to make it look precisely as it should That's and by the way to make it look i thought different in every episode yeah i mm -hmm. mean like he was really yeah yeah because it it, it 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 changed as they dug evolving. more stuff out the and set. they yeah. built yeah. pieces of it and yeah. and it, it 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 was it was a living thing yeah i, I do want to touch on just three things uh before we close out um first jimmy uh after that uh, scholarship 
committee, that really fun <laughs> scholarship committee scene, uh, and then learning that, you know, they had sort of predetermined who they were going to vote for. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the kind of person that he is, this girl, Christy Esposito, you know, or at least having a checkered past, uh, he kind of has a little kind of a, 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 not a come apart, but he he kind of sort of unravels in when he goes and tries to yeah. to tell her about it, which, uh, do you want to talk about that scene at all? Well, yeah, Jim, you know, it's, it's so interesting because I talk, I was interested talking to Bob about this scene too, because he, you know, we had one intention in the writer's room and another, I one, uh, this was a scene that I wrote and we had another intention, you know, when we wrote it and rewrote it and then, and then Bob brought it, brought in his own, take on it I, I you know i think it's you know he's giving like the devil's locker room speech you know he's telling he's telling he's telling this kid that you just do whatever you need to do to get ahead and that's what's important in life and and, if, and break to break bend every take you know bend take, every rule take yeah. the shortcuts yeah. and if people hate you that's that's good Fuck that's em. good screw them and, yeah. and you know and so much of that is linked to chuck in the previous scene, and we saw that great portrait of Chuck in the previous <laughs> scene, and, and then, but I think to me, what gives it um, by and by the way, isn't 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 that young actress great? She is she Abby is, Quinn. Abby Quinn. She is she she's is wonderful. She is she is wonderful, and, and also because she doesn't for for Jimmy to say as much as he does, she can't be looking at him scared and repelled. She has to at least be intrigued or interested in what he's saying and they, those two are real scene partners there uh and and so he 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 kind of he goes through this this philosophy and in some ways this is the Saul Goodman philosophy I think um that we it was it's kind of crystallized the you know his his point of view on life but then he goes he goes back to his car and he's in terrible pain he's crying and and you can he finally breaks. He finally yeah, breaks, and year. yeah, we haven't seen him cry mm-hmm. over Chuck, and we know he's he's sincere. Or if is he, is he crying over Chuck? I was going to ask. Yeah, I read it that way, but is yeah. he is he or is he not? Well, I think you know he's crying over Chuck, and something that Bob said to me once is he's crying over Chuck, but he's also crying over what he's become. He's yeah. crying over the fact that what he said to that girl is what he really believes, and he knows that's he knows that's wrong. Or, or what about that he'll That's always be an outsider? Yeah. I mean, yes. I read it different. That yeah. it's that like he is. That's his lot in life. Yeah. And and it's going to turn him into someone he doesn't want to be. But like he's he just keeps getting forced up against that reality. And I think it's really really painful. I I I love everything everything you're saying. And it's just it's just a, it's a, it's a, it's a really boy. We are really swinging for the fences here. To me. Because we are trusting the audience to watch this and make all kinds of connections, and of course, some of them are real obvious. Like you know, he says he starts quoting "Winter Takes It All" <laughs> uh, in the scene, um, and then some of them are, are really kind of subtle about what's going on with the character, and some of it also, you know, there's there's a a, 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 a bread and butter dramatic function to this scene too, which is. Uh, Jimmy, Jimmy's sincerity is always under question, I think, this season. And because we see him by himself and we see that he is truly rocked, 
uh, we know that that he is not everything he's doing isn't isn't sheer calculation, and that's one of the things that we wanted to do. We wanted to show that he's he's not not everything he's doing is is calculated for a uh, a response, although a hell of a lot of it is. Uh, and, and I think the fact that Bob, I think Bob is a unique, really unique performer because I, I, I don't think anybody else in the same episode could go from the intimacy and the, the, the funny, the, that, that funny, very connected scene with Michael McKeon in the teaser to the ridiculous scene uh, at the cemetery which really reminds me of like it reminds me of something like Peter Cook and Dudley Moore would have done it reminds me of some very dark British film from the 60s and And then here he is here he is here he is weeping by himself and then finally he has that great scene which which Tom Tom wrote at the end where he 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 finally he he says this thing which is I when I watch it I believe he's truly in earnest but then he says he wasn't in earnest, and I, I don't know where the truth is. Yeah, I I think he was pulling on something real, but he saw a way to manipulate these people. He knew exactly, like he says, he's he sees the matrix, and he he's like, I know exactly how to how to get these guys where it hurts, and he he went for it. That scene crushes me. I know, me it crushed too. me in the dailies. Yeah. It it uh, and maybe the listeners are are tired of hearing how things made me cry but uh, it's true and it it really i i'm with kim in that moment she's so good ray is so good i mean she's she hits home runs every time she goes to the plate she's she's just incredible and that scene i i you know and we we cut it a specific way to to really let you feel through kim and and to uh, also to an extent through the board the the genuine uh, effect that this is having on everybody and and it, it it we really take that journey and we're really with all of them and feeling it and then the betrayal this that just i it feels like you're hit in the face yeah. by this betrayal and uh, i definitely i felt her confusion and i felt yeah i felt i we're we're all kim in that in that yeah. moment and when f- for for the first time uh, we're seeing the guy who will become to be known as Saul Goodman. Yeah, it's it's a it's just a, so many of these moments. You guys, uh, no, I mean, I yeah, I felt the same way. I just like this is what a, I mean, what a electrifying ending. But what a just it's awful seeing him turn yeah. into this calcify into this asshole. But he's having so much fun. <laughs> just you know, he just—it's uh, so funny when we started this yeah. whole endeavor. You know, uh, three, four years ago, you know, I mean, Peter and I, uh, Peter, you and I, talk, take these long walks and talk about the show, and saying, "Well, I saw Goodman. You know, he's—he's he's a fun guy." Mm-hmm. Like, no, he's not. He's a—he's a—he's a kind of a monster. Yeah, and it's I interesting mean, yeah. too. Uh, what I love about what we as the writers did in this episode was take him from that moment at the at the the gravesite. Where he's saying, which is some, and Bob in, improvised the boo-hoo moment, which I love. He oh. says boo-hoo. He says out loud, boo-hoo. And that's one, as he's one type of asshole at the beginning. But by the end of this, yeah. he's a more horrific yeah. asshole that he's able to stand up there and, yeah. and convince not only the judges, but us as the audience. That the holy shit. loves him. Yeah, because 
in the beginning, it's so obvious. We're watching him. It's like, oh, look at it. Look at what he's doing. Yeah. Every we know variety of doing. asshole. And in the end, it's like, oh my god, look, he's sincere. He's had, he's yeah. having this moment. Oh my god. Yeah. He pulled a heartstrings con. <laughs> he's heartstrings con is oh, exactly what he really does. hurts yeah. my feelings. And that is yeah. the lowest kind of calm. We They're, know that. We know that yeah. from from the show, and that's, that's something right. he said seasons before several like, times. He's okay that's going right. there now. It's it's uh yeah it's. Wow, and you yeah. can't not talk about Reiner Bach and yeah. uh, and uh, and, and uh, about about Werner and yeah. uh, and Mike and about John the Bank. Talk about man. another They're, character those guys that are so good together. They're yeah. so good, and to talk about another character who takes a giant leap into hell mm-hmm. in this, uh, just like Jimmy does. Both these characters take this. They don't take a baby step down the bad path. They they they, they just jump headlong down. And you look at this. You look at the whole season. It's like two very different stories, yet. They're the same story, which is what I, again, what I love about everything that happens this season is that they they're both on a very similar track, uh, just in different different during different working in different worlds, but it's the same story. When did Reiner? When did you guys know you're going to kill off uh, this character of Werner? And when did Reiner know? I think we knew right away. <laughs> uh, I think when we came up with him, I think we were already had plans to have these guys get close, and then. It sort of has to come to this this ending where this character is doing things that he doesn't even quite understand. How he's just, you know another another Walter White. He's just the, the smartest dumb guy right yeah. <laughs> right now, yeah. and he's doing these things that he's just like, well, you know, I didn't think it would be that big a deal. And he's like, you don't even know who you're dealing with. Um, and it's, of course, it's a situation because uh, Gus is not going to show his drug, his scary face. To the guy who's make building his super lab, and Mike is gonna Mike. He and Mike start really getting along, and and he he stops. He's able to fool himself about who he's working with and 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 what the consequences are going to be. Uh, yeah, it's 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 heartbreaking, and you know Reiner really. You know, we did have an idea as soon as we introduced him of where this might be going, but I don't think we realized how many dimensions that we're going to be to this character. And Reiner, from the very first scene uh, that he had in episode five, all the way up through here, he just brings such reality to it, but also vulnerability. Mm-hmm. He's such a goof. Uh, <laughs> you know, this, yeah. this character. So lovable. Werner is such a goof. You know, there's a, there's a beat in, um, in episode, uh, episode eight where he says, you know, my wife is my heart. And I, I remember reading that line that, that Gordon wrote, and I thought, yeah, well... You know, I, is he? Is he so how's that, how's that gonna? How's that gonna play exactly? Yeah. And I wasn't. I wasn't sure. Uh, and then he 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 says it, and he says it in such a way he's a little bit embarrassed to admit how important his wife is to him. But he's he's vulnerable, and it's just it, he just plays it so beautifully. And he's also, by the way, a wonderful physical actor. Uh, you know, you'll see him do things like uh, all the way through the season where he, you know, he's. He's dropping his vest and picking it up off the floor. Or in this scene, uh, at the at the in in, in the uh, towards the in the second half of this episode, when he he ends up crouching, he ends up crouching. He uses his whole whole body, uh, and it's really just a very fascinating that, guy to watch. That whole range of emotions he goes through when Mike says, "There's nothing you're gonna do that's yeah. gonna make anybody ever trust you again." When he gets this realization, where he knows, "Oh, this is what this is about. This is what's happening." He, he's all confident. Let me talk to, I'll talk to Mr. Frank. I'll explain everything. And it's like, oh, shit. Yeah, and he looks around. <laughs> see, and really, he looks around. Kind of we're in the, in the middle, middle of nowhere. nowhere. 
Why did we and drive all the way to nowhere? And I'm going to try to that you know, moment when he realizes non-verbally, why are we out here? It's it's I'm telling you, it's absolutely stellar. It's just an absolute masterclass in acting, amazingly written. Oh, Peter, and, Peter and wrote the hell out of that. Scene. Well, we you know, and it was all. And by the way, you know, we take you can take credit for uh, writing scenes, but both Tom and I, you know, this is all. Uh, material was broken in the room, full of full of full of very you know, wonderful, smart people, and, and we. I, I felt like we were really, at actually at this point in the season, I kept saying, I can't believe I even said this. I kept saying, you know, maybe we should do an eleventh episode or twelfth episode, <laughs> which of course is physically impossible. But we have so much. I got so excited towards the end of the season because we have so much story. There's so much. I mean, we have we've a lot of. Balls in the air. I better work on that juggling. Um, yeah. How did you guys divide this episode up? Uh, That's right. Originally, it was uh, me, uh, teaser one, and the last act. And then Peter wrote the middle acts, which became which originally two and three, then became two, three, four, and five. Yeah, my, <laughs> However, this thing got divided up because it got so long. My acts got, yeah. So this has more acts in it. it it's usually a teaser plus four acts. Four acts, in, right. In but because of, of the length, yeah. we have to add more. Uh, commercial breaks. So is uh, it five acts? Or six. Is it six. Six. Teaser, teaser plus six. Right? Teaser right. plus six. Wow. Yes. Versus the typical episode is teaser plus four. Mm-hmm. Wow. So I wrote my acts uh, to be on time, and Peter just went nuts. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Mike and As Werner. His privilege. Mike and Werner kept talking, and I was like, oh, yeah. and this is actually something I learned. I will say I learned from Vince because uh, uh, I, I remember there quite a few times on Breaking Bad when I would write a scene and I'd think, oh, Jesus, this is kind of long. You know, because, you know, you you learn in screenwriting boot camp that, you know, most most television and movie scenes are like two and a half pages long. Or maybe, maybe you know, they range from like a a pay, you know, even a big confrontation scene is maybe three pages. Uh, And on Breaking Bad, we would do these scenes that would be like five, seven pages, and I would always think, "Oh well, I've done my best with this. Uh, maybe I, maybe I. Uh, all right, I'll, I'll see what Vince says." And then Vince, you know, maybe you should air this out a little bit. Air it out a little bit, meaning, yeah. meaning, meaning. You know, the characters can say a little bit more. Uh, maybe, maybe you know, if you see, you know, start seeing because sometimes as a writer you try to compress it a little bit, and so that you end up with these bigger blocks of dialogue instead of the shorter interchanges, which is tends to be more real. And I, I just learned, it's something I learned from working with the events, is that if, it, if the scene merits it, and if the characters, and we don't, we love scenes, and I love scenes with no talking at all. Yeah, me but too. But if, if they're talking, and it feels like you have, and, and this Werner scene was a, we kind of gave ourselves a big puzzle here, because we had to take a guy from pulling up in a car to a distant, I'm just making an explanation for why I wrote so much. Um, pulling, pulling up in a car in the middle of nowhere, thinking he's going to talk his friend into letting him see his wife, uh, to walking out into the desert knowing he's about to get a gun, you know, get a 45 slug to the back of his head. Uh, we had to fit, you know, write that, you know, that, and so it ended up being, I'm sorry, it did end up being quite a few pages. It's, it's perfect, though. It's a perfect it's so fucking good. And and the the line, for instance, just from a writer's point of view, this I swear, that is, where did that come from? He says this you swear. Is it because Werner's uh, English is not, is, is a little uh, 
stilted because uh, because it's not his native language. And then he, I mean, that's such a perfect turn of phrase. Well, Instead of just saying, you swear, you swear you won't kill my wife. Yeah, I swear. But this I swear, it's, 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 I don't know, it's just perfect. Where, where did that come from? <laughs> I don't know. That's a, that's a wonderful compliment, Vince. From, well, it's the from, truth. And then, you know, and, and obviously, well, now then, we're, I want to make sure we that, know. Look, that's all I'm going to say. It's all Peter. It I don't want to say. I don't I was, remember. It was never pitched in the writer's room. It was never, it was, it came out in the script. It's, well, it's, I, I looked I, at Peter just in, not because I didn't assume you didn't write it, just because you'd already told me Peter wrote this part. No, no, it's, yeah, no. It's, I, a, it's a, uh, uh, you know, I don't want to just log roll here. It's just, we're very, you know, we're very lucky to get to write the things that we do. And, uh, you know, that the same dialogue could sound really crappy with the wrong actor and the wrong director. Uh, uh, and, and, and because these, these guys do everything with such conviction, uh, it, it makes the dialogue sound good. Uh, and, it, and, and I'm glad you like that. Because oh, uh, it, was, it was fun. And, and uh, uh, you know, one of the things that's interesting about working with Reiner is his German accent's not a movie German accent. And I guess I grew up hearing people do German accents in movies. Uh, well, it's a lot of Hogan's heroes. A lot of Hogan's <laughs> heroes. You know, absolutely, Hogan's heroes. And every every other, you know, every other German. And and a real Reiner's, Reiner's accent and his speech patterns and the words that he pronounces differently from an American are all different uh, from what I had in my head and what I was expecting, which is probably all to the good. So, uh, you know, some of, it, some of it was just, you know, I got a chance to talk to him a little bit. And I tried to think about how, what, how he, how he spoke, but that's you know. It's and you just, incorporated. Yeah, I've tried to, yeah. but I, you know, that's just it, you know, in the in the he, you know, it's very you know, real. The way people really do things is always uh, so much more interesting. <laughs> it's always more eccentric and interesting than than what we what were the assumptions that we make. And this poor guy loves his wife so much as you as you threaded in throughout these episodes and he, the, his last communication he's ever going to have with her in order to save her life is basically you know kicking old yeller or whatever just uh, just yeah. just go home go home it's, it's, it's so, just so, it's so I, I, I teared you're talking about tearing up i teared up watching this yeah. scene and then it just i was kind of numb uh and that shot i didn't think you were actually going to show the murder and when i saw that wide shot i thought to myself my god there's you're going to show this guy getting shot in the head but it 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 was it was like it was weirdly beautiful the shot itself it was yes. that a was that a diane was that, that is a, yeah the, chris had uh, chris actually kind of started the ball rolling on that that was not planned to be a vfx shot um it's basically when he was cutting the scene i think he realized that it needed to be wider well the like, script the script was was very beautifully written that it's like we're super far away and all you see are these two little people way in the distance and a flash of light and and uh and we joey and i were actually looking at it and talking and and we said well could you could you mock this up and so joey mocked it up you know, we, we shrunk it down, shrunk the actual footage of so the, the real the, the people. So the actual footage is the little bit of the two guys, and then you mm-hmm. built a whole giant world around it? Is that what? Yes. Right. Wow. And, and our, we, I, mean, I could show you the, the, what Joey put together, and it, it's the, it, the proportions are the same. It, you'll, you'll recognize the shot. Um, and then uh, the, the folks at Crafty Apes, uh, who've done some really awesome stuff this season, um, they did that 
you know, map painting, you know, to Put a night the sky specifications. With stars. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, we went on several rounds to just get it to, to, to match the rest of the scene. Because uh, he talks about the stars, and then you finally mm-hmm. see him. Yeah, that's yeah. what Adam said to me. He said, "What, what are we going to do if it's cloudy and there's no stars?" <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Oh, uh, I'll have to think of something." Because <laughs> I was, I was on set for uh, a chunk of this chunk of this scene. Yeah. And this whole thing was based on the fact that uh, when we have a crew member or an actor or somebody who doesn't does something wrong, we have Jonathan Banks take them out into the field. <laughs> yes. And put a bolt in their head. But usually, it's, I don't feel as bad about it as I did. Yeah, no. yeah. <laughs> it's well, it, and it is it is sad. It's we're sad to lose Warner, and uh, and it's also sad to see Mike take one more step towards the becoming the person he was when we first well, met he's, him. He's damned Bad. himself. But when yeah. Ver, when yeah. Werner's wife uh, comes back, we're gonna have Reiner Bach in a wig. So oh, we'll be wow. back in a way. <laughs> wow. Um, this is lost. <laughs> What, so so this is it's kind of like of mice and men. I mean, he did right. He he wasn't. He just it was a he was doing him a kindness, a small kindness to do it himself. Versus yeah. Uh, yeah. is that what you guys versus yeah, versus than have versus having Victor and Victor, Tyra show yeah. up and, and do something really nasty. It was yeah. uh, a little bit oddly a little bit more humane to do it this way. Yeah, yeah. Is it, how much of it is about? Does he have something to prove to Gus? I don't think there's I don't anything think nothing. At all. Right. I, I think yeah. that that Reiner. Uh, Reiner, Reiner's fine. Werner, <laughs> Werner's, Werner's, Werner's going to go, uh, and and uh, you know even if and he'd rather do it himself. Even if Mike drives him to the airport, uh, then you know it's going to be him and his wife are both going to go. Mike's in an impossible situation. No, I just mean the actual yeah. act of Mike saying he will do it. I, and, and, be, you I know. think it's. I think it's. Well, you can interpret it. I mean, it's open to interpretation. I to me, it's super clear that he looks back. At, at Werner and he thinks about what how it's going to be if Victor and Tyra show up um, and off him and how he would do it and 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 he he just he just he's he's not going to just stand there and babysit the guy uh, knowing he's going to know he's know he's going to be executed by some cold-eyed cartel thug and also I mean you know he's he's um, you know he's also he's not in a position where he can cross Gus and, and everything that Gus presents. Although, I mean, you could you could argue this would be Mike's opportunity to put Werner in the car and drive to the DEA. Uh, that you could argue you could argue you could argue that. And I, I would say, knowing what I know about Mike, uh, that he's this is going to be another thing on his conscience. I don't think Mike. But is he gonna, would be endangering Stacy. Yes, and he Kaylee would. He would be. Like, he would be. He would be, but I'm just, I'm just, I think yeah. what I'm trying oh, to say. I don't think he has a choice. What I'm yeah, trying to say right. is, I think that Mike, you know, Mike is not going to say to himself, "I had no choice." Mike is somebody who, who is, I, I think, uh, if any, you know, is not going to take an excuse. Uh, for he takes himself. responsibility for his actions, yeah. even when they're yes. this horrific. Yeah, yeah, I think so. That's exactly. And he's right. a man of his word, and when you hire him to do a job, he yeah. does it. And I think it's all those reasons yeah. that he wouldn't pile the guy in the car. Yeah, oddly enough, you're exactly right, Stacy and and uh, and Kaylee uh, are are are, uh, are are concerns, but I, it's just it's just not in his makeup. It's not in his nature to, to do something like that. He, he just wouldn't. He just he just hate to use it. You know, you say it this way, but he's not a snitch. He's not a he's yeah. he's a professional. He doesn't. It's not what he was hired to do. And it's his. He feels responsible for making the mess, and he's going to clean it he's up. He's going to clean did. up the mess. This is. Yeah. I mean, I think if you asked Mike, he would say this whole thing was his fault. 
And yeah. I, I, I think honestly, the, probably the saddest part is that we're all going to be left with a ton of questions about what happens until next season. But wait, there's more. Um, before we wrap this up, we're going to go to our special conversation with Kelly Dixon. I don't know what I was thinking <laughs> about how it was going to incorporate it into the episode piecemeal. Uh, it just it felt too disruptive when I tried it. So, so here we go. Uh, let's uh, let's take a trip down memory lane. Man, just like that, we're in a separate room in a separate podcast, and we're here with Kelly Dixon. Hey, everybody! I'm here in LA. I'm so glad to be home. I miss y'all. Well, we miss you, and and we're with Peter and Vince and and Joey, and we're we're doing a ten on ten. Ten on ten. We're doing uh, just it's just we have ten minutes. We have very limited time, but but uh, we just Kelly. We wanted to the fact you you saw the episode today. And I just Vince, saw it. I like saw an it today hour too. Ago. I just saw it today too. Me too. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. And, and we just sort of wanted to get general thoughts since we're recording the the longer podcast tomorrow. So as I jump in, it's today. Whatever. You understand how <laughs> time works. Well, and Kelly, you've been asking since the beginning. When's, When's he going to freaking be Saul, man? And now you got it. <laughs> he's, he's, he's Saul I'll tell Goodman. You, I was like pretty amazed, you know, because it's like I have not read the episodes. I have not. And I've been pressing you, Chris, when I call you every once in a while, I'm like, so tell me, tell me. And you're like, I, I can't really tell you, but I think you're going to be happy. So I, I'm really excited. But I'll tell you what was really cool for me as far as the Saul Goodman thing was um, just, I mean, yeah, I really thought that Jimmy was kind of being kind of sincere in that hearing, man. And then, and then I saw him and I saw, I'll tell you, Kim's face turn. And I was like, man. Wow, girlfriend <laughs> is like pissed. And he, I, but the funny thing was when I was watching the scene is like, you just saw her face. She just went stone faced. But he was so into himself that he, oh, yeah. like, how does he not see this, right? But it was great. He and was I, damaged. Yeah. Oh, he my was God. damaged. I and that scene you. when he cries in the parking deck at HHM. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that shot from behind. I love his acting there. This, this poor guy, he's damaged. Yeah. He's yeah. broken. I really, I got to tell you, I was like, I, I wrote out some notes in, in the beginning, but I was like going, Ernie, Ernie is back. Ernie is <laughs> awesome. Ernie Karaoke. Awesome. He sings. And then, and then I was like, when when Chuck takes Jimmy home, and I'm like, oh, Jimmy's apartment, couldn't he? If Chuck had to take him home, couldn't he take him home to the nice house and put him <laughs> in the guest room? And then when Chuck got in bed with him, I'm like, Chuck is going to stay there? Ew, ew. But I did love... <laughs> The camaraderie, and I love how Chuck can sing in tune, right? Chuck <laughs> sings in tune. I, it was really wonderful. I even wrote in my notes, like, it's really wonderful to see Chuck without the electricity pro. You know, yeah. see Chuck, you know, back to himself. It was nice. It was just, it was great. It was, it was great. But I will say that, wait, okay, you can cut this out if it's wrong, because I just watched, like, 8, 9, and 10 this morning. So... Is Lalo following him that time? Is the gum thing in 10? Yes. Yeah. Yes. The gum thing. I'm like, what is he doing? Great, that's a great thing. You know, okay, so let me rephrase. Let me rephrase that. I said so, the same thing today, yeah. So, yeah, so it's like when, when Mike is in the car and, and he starts to pull out the gum, I'm like, what's he doing with the gum? And then I saw him sort of put the thing in the wrappers, and I'm like, huh. And, and I thought it was a MacGyver thing. I thought, can that, like, 
mess up the thing? Is it going to get hard and is he going to put it on ice and it's going to and it's going to let him get through the thing? And then when I watched him do it, I was like, he's going to jam up that thing. Whose idea was that, you guys? That was awesome. It's a classic classic Mike. But like, <laughs> how did you guys come up with that in the writers room? That's I, like some destructive shit right I don't, there. I don't that's a very, yeah, don't do that at home. Yeah, don't <laughs> do that. yeah I'm I'm a little bit worried that uh, people throughout we're going to have a lot of jammed up uh, parking machines if we're not careful. I think we should uh, myth bust that yes, one. I'm, I think not sure should, that that I'm not sure that that I'm not sure it would work. Yes, but it, I, I, it was you know we just try to stay in the tradition of Mike's, uh, you know all, all of Mike's gimmicks going from the, it was uh, great. the from the balloon to the uh, to the little motorized pig and and all <laughs> and through the. Uh, the, the what the, Mike uh, is an analog paper. guy. He's yes, an he is. He's an analog guy. He is an analog guy. And, you know, analog works damn well sometimes. <laughs> but I will say that, you know, over the last couple of episodes, y'all really, really did it to me with a Werner. I'm just like, I was I was kind of sad. I was like, I, that's what I teared damn. Up. I was yeah. like, but no, was I was really like, tremendous. does he really? But it's like, I was like, does he really have to? Does he really have to? Because at first I thought, well, are they going to kill all of them? Well, Kelly, that's yeah. a really good point that Mike's an analog guy. Because we talked before about uh, Werner being kind of an, the analog guy. They really have that in common. And I, I, I've also been really taken with their bond over the season. And, and it really is sad that Mike, this is the first time we've seen Mike kill somebody in cold, like in cold blood. I mean, when he kills those cops... There, that's a revenge that yeah. that that but this is this is just a stone cold i have to do a job yeah and that's this this is a new you know this is a, a new step for mike i was sad i was, I was sad about that because yeah. i like warner and you know it was like he only he only wanted to see his wife i mean the panic attack that he has i guess that, that's a panic attack right that's yeah. what I'm yeah thinking. in episode nine yeah, yeah it was yeah. that was deep that was real deep i was like what's happening wait is he you know because i'm like okay and you know it's like i hate like going to see movies when they show trailers for scary movies because i'm like god damn it i just don't need the stress that they put you through <laughs> and so when you guys had him go down this is episode nine i know i'm sorry it's nine but when you guys go down the steps with oh, him to get the, yeah. the dud explosive. And I'm like, oh, yeah. they're going to blow him up. God damn it. And I'm, like, I, and I'm almost it's sitting there going, I, but here's the trick. If you're ever in the movies and this does this to you, just close your ears because it's really the music that really stresses you out or the sound effects. If you close your ears, it means nothing. But in this case, it did. And I was like, are they going to kill him? And then when he got down there, I'm like, is he having a heart attack? What's wrong with him? Oh, my God. And then I'm like, oh, no, it's a panic attack. And it was done really, really well. It was very effective. So sorry to go off on nine, but that was really good. Nine's and really, nine's a great episode. Yeah. Nine's really, oh, and let me tell you, girlfriend <laughs> in nine. I have to say it again. Girlfriend oh. in nine. Oh, my God. That. I'm sorry. Are you addressing me? Yes. You and Kim. I texted her this afternoon. I was like, girl, I just saw nine. It was amazing. She's that scene. Great. Where she tells Jimmy, you are always down. I was like, oh, hell. Yeah. Like, That's rough. That was great. And That's you, you rough. did a great job. I should have known it was you with all those shots, though. I should have known. You, because you, you have such a, a really, really such an artistic eye. So when I see, you know, these, these you know, wonderful shots and, you know, it's like it's just so beautiful to watch because I'm just not a part of it anymore. So I'm just having to, like, just, 
you know, admire as, you know, as a fan, as an alumnus, I guess I could say. I'm there you alumnus. go. Yeah, as a family but, member, um, you, once you're in the family, it's like the mafia. Once you're in the family, you're always in the family. <laughs> but Just it when was, you thought was, you'd get out, we're going to pull you <laughs> back in. It was beautiful, in. but I'll tell you that the whole, the whole season has just been stellar. I think, Peter, you know what? You have done such a fantastic job heading up this that writer's room truth. and heading up the show. You really are. I hope that it is as wonderful for you that it seems like. I mean, I know that when you're in it, it's different, but it you look like you're doing great. No, I'm, ha- I'm, having, a, I'm having a great time. I miss both you guys, both uh, certainly you, Kelly, and Vince, miss, miss both of you guys. But it's been, it's been so much fun, and, and Chris – has uh, Chris has done a great job this season? Uh, That's uh, the truth. We've had we've had so much fun cutting these up, epi- working working through the whole season. It, it's been it's been uh, it's the best it's the best group. I not just the best group in show business. It's the best group I could conceive of, and I'm just having uh, such a good time. And you know, also the um, I just feel so invested in what happens to these characters, uh, and I'm I'm so glad you you Me felt too. that way. I. So glad, glad you feel that way about Warner and, and Reiner's. Isn't Reiner? He's just a spectacular he's, he's performer. He's just wonderful. Wait, so Reiner is Warner. Reiner is Warner. Okay. Reiner, Reiner, yes, Reiner Bach. Reiner Bach and Reiner. Reiner. Uh, I, I got. I'm. I haven't been on the set as much as I'd like to be, but I got to be there uh, for most of the shoot of that big scene between uh, Jonathan and Reiner, and and uh, it, it it was it was just wonderful to see and and. You know, um, Adam Bernstein, uh, who's my my it. good friend and who I worked with uh, more than anybody else on Breaking Bad. Uh, he 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 shot the hell out of it, and he rehearsed with those guys ahead of time, and I could tell because they just they as soon as the camera rolled, they just they had it dialed in so beautifully. It, it's uh it's it's really it was that was very special. Where was, was that shot? Was it uh, right near the studio? It was, was it? shot very near the studio. It was uh it it was. Uh, yeah, it was. It's very near the studio. It's you know, it's not that far from where Kim had her car accident. It's not that far from from where Walt was pulled over and and all the other things. And we make you know, we make good use of that that plot of land nearby. And the best, actually, the lucky thing really was that um, it just happened to be a night where the temperature was perfect. Oh. It was almost. You know, it was right towards the end of winter, and it was shirt sleeves weather, because that was you know I was a little concerned about these two wonderful actors stuck out stuck out there freezing to death, and they and it was pretty it was reasonably comfortable, and I I was just so happy about that. And beautifully edited, beautifully beautifully edited episode. Chris and Joey Joey did some cutting on this one too. Is it? He 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 cut some scenes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, nice good job, Joey. He he co-edited eight. Uh, right, right, so. right. That's what it's about, though, too. It's like it's you about it. it's about paying it forward. I know y'all do that. You know, I do that. Chris, I'm glad that Chris is doing that. That's what Definitely. it's about. All y'all out there, it is about. Like, I never got to say this in public, but I'm gonna say it, even though I learned it from. Uh, you know, uh, it, it's something that Jack Lemon said to Kevin Spacey, and I, you know, I know that there's issues with Spacey now, but. You know what? Jack Lemmon apparently had a really good thing to say, and he said, "When you're lucky enough to do well in this business, then it's your responsibility to send the elevator back down." 
Oh, and, nicely said, Jack Lemmon. From yeah. Glen Gary, Glen Ross. Is that when they were working? I don't think it's, I don't remember. I don't that's, remember, I but he's a mentor. He no, no, I, I didn't, I didn't mean he, it's in the movie. I mean, maybe they were shooting Glen yeah, Gary, Glen yeah. Ross when he said it to him. He, he was right. a mentor, and I, I went to see a, a Q&A with him several years ago, and, and he said that, and I've always remembered it, and it's just sort of become, you know, sort of my own personal you know, thing about, because that's the way it should work, you know, it's like, look, Chris and I, you know, we, I mean, I met Chris on, on Michael Mann's pilot, and you know what, he and I, we're, we're kind of like, I mean, Chris is like my cousin, I call him my, he's like my cousin. Like the Salamanca cousin. Yeah, and, 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 you know, the funny thing is, is that we both come, we don't come from Los Angeles, we're both only children, you know what I mean, it's, we are like not the typical, you know, person that, you know, is in this business. Nowadays, I guess there isn't as typical. The nepotism isn't Wait a as minute. much. Well, you're not old. I, I met your sister. Well, it, I was an only child until my stepmom came around. Oh, yeah. okay. All right. I'm, so, okay. yeah, but but that's what I'm yeah. saying. It's like it's like Chris Chris grew up not in California. I grew up not in California. You know what I mean? And you so, know, the funny thing that's is. That's weird because everyone else out here is from California. <laughs> yeah, that's, that is, that is the, isn't that the funny thing? No, no I'm trying room. to think. There's so few people on this show who are actually from California. Oh, okay. Well, good, it's a very, you know? it's a very, uh, it's a funny thing. It's like, it's like Kelly's like, he's like, Chris has a left hand. I've got a left hand. <laughs> Chris has got two eyes. But you know I've what? I guess eyes. all I'm trying to say I, I, I is it's it. about paying it forward and it's about moving yeah. people up. And that's what you guys do in your writers' room. You know, that's God. what you guys do. A lot of people have. You know, Heather. You know, there's a lot of people move, that have moved up in your writers' now, see, room if, and moved if, up on uh, the show. Peter and I had our way. We would, when we got to the top floor in the elevator, we would stick our gum wrapper in the <laughs> in the machinery of the elevator, and then. Yeah. Make sure it never. I don't want the elevator ever leave. That's right. What if I want to get up higher? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I need but that Willy Wonka. I'm holding it. But that's it, the way it should be. It, and, and ten is awesome. Though. And, and it, is it, awesome. It, it is. It is. It's a great philosophy, and it's definitely the philosophy I live by. And uh, thank you guys for taking some extra time and doing this. And uh, we're going to send the elevator back up to the podcast. <laughs> So happy to see you, Kelly Dixon. Me too. We miss I, you. I, I miss you guys miss so you, much. Kelly. I miss you guys so much. This has been such an awesome season, and uh, thank you guys for creating the journey, and thank you guys for listening and thank taking you, the Chris. journey with us. Well, it's great it, job, Chris. It has been awesome. Not you, Joey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, um, that's fair. You guys killed it. Good podcast. Good podcast yeah. season. Yeah, yeah, it has been has been really good. This is and gonna be this is gonna be a long a long podcast. It's it's so long. This Those one this you, one merits it. This one it, this episode no. merits it, and it really does. Well, we had to be longer than the episode. I mean that 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 challenge was thrown down at the beginning <laughs> of the podcast. Well done, my friend. And, well done. Uh, uh, mission accomplished. Thank you, Mike Bermachout. All right, keep it crunchy. And thank you, Chris Sullivan, for no reason in particular. Um, and uh, yeah, so thanks a lot for listening. Have a great off season, uh, everybody out there, and we hope you'll see you join in twenty twenty four. Melissa, have you ever done it? I've done it. Yeah, has Diane done it? Tom's done it. Has Diane ever done it? No, I have not. Time to do it. Uh-oh. You know, Diane, we end every episode <laughs> I, with... Uh, she knows. I've heard this. Do you need to explain it to the audience? I think they I know. I think they know. I, but we finally figured out, thanks to Jenny Hutchison, we finally figured out how to say it. Um, but, uh, yeah, would you take us out for the season? Better call Saul. Woo!